came up with the concept, you know, in working with business owners for 25 years, these were some hard charging, highly successful people. And I saw that there was three areas of their life that were important, right? That were important to them. Their businesses were really important to them. They raised their businesses like they were their kids. Their relationships and their families were important to them. And then themselves as an individual, they wanted to be the best person that they could be. They wanted to be healthy. They wanted to be all those different types of things. So those represent the three chords. Alan has started and grown several multi-million dollar businesses. His mission is to help you do the same. Welcome to the Business Growth Pod, building the future one entrepreneur at a time. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Alan. I'm a family man, an attorney, and an entrepreneur. Each week, we provide resources and advice to help build your business. Are you ready? Then let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Business Growth Pod. I am your host, Alan Draper. Happy to be with you today. Go ahead and do me a favor. If this episode... If there's something that resonates with you in this episode that helps you get one step closer to starting your business or one step closer to growing your business, go ahead and share it with somebody that might find it useful. That's the best way that you can say thank you to me for producing this content. I'm excited for our guest today. I have with me Rocco Carrero. I'm excited about this interview. He's a comprehensive wealth advisor, but he specializes in helping business owners, CEOs, entrepreneurs. He's a chartered retirement planning counselor, accredited portfolio manager, advisor, and holds an MBA in banking and finance. And icing on the cake is that he has over 20 years of experience. So excited to chat with you today, Rocco. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Alan. I'm happy to be here. So, you know, let's hear a little bit about kind of obviously you have a business, you're kind of in business for yourself. You've set up, you know, your own thing. Tell me a little bit about that point in your life where you went from either not working or from working with somebody else to pulling the trigger and starting your own business. Yes, a great question. Well, it probably stems back to when I was about, you know, 12, 13 years old. You know, I would work for other people, but then I would get like jobs on my own, you know, setting up cable at somebody's house or putting in a phone line, breaking their leaves. And I always liked working for myself more than working for others. I always did a great job working for others, but I always enjoyed working more for myself. And I knew at some point that that was going to be the direction. That's that's the place I needed to be was working for myself, for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of people that haven't done it think that it's all good. Think that, you know, I think there are some people that realize like, Hey, I'm not really cut out for it. Or it's not really my personality type. What are some of the goods versus some of the bads of doing your own thing? You know, I think operating your own business is not for everybody. I think it's for a particular type of a personality. There's a personality profile tool out there called the, the Colby index profile. 
And people that are usually higher in the green space, which are quick starts, are usually better people that are in that particular space for people to do their own business. People that are low in that space usually are terrific team players, but maybe not be the business owner. So I think that there's so much great. Op- my daughter asked me this question a couple of weeks ago. She said, Dad, you know, somebody told me I should operate my own business. I said, Ella, you might be a great team member working at Google or Amazon or something. They'll give you a bunch of stock options and you'll make a fortune. So, you know, being your own business owner, there are other ways to achieve financial success than just being your own business owner. Yeah, for sure. But for me, without question, this was the right choice. Yeah. No. And I think that's true. I think people can make a lot of money working for somebody else, but the ceiling is much, much, much higher if you start your own business. I mean, you could do whatever you want. And I know that there are people making good money working at Google and you know some of those businesses. So if you know, if we have a listener that's kind of considering like, hey, is it worth it? Obviously, I mean, right now I'm writing a book that is, we just finished our first draft, I'm happy to announce. And the essence of it is overcoming kind of the big early hurdles and just motivating the reader to pull the trigger. You're involved more, Rocco, in the financial side. And so I want to hear about what's the stage of somebody's business where they reach out to you or a financial advisor? At what point do you get involved? Is it early on? Is it before they start a business? Is it 10 years later? I would tell somebody that they should really align with a really good qualified financial professional right away. And a common mistake that you see business owners make is that they end up by paying themselves last. They pay everything, all their bills, they pay everything. And then usually at the end of the day, there isn't anything left. But if they change their psychology where you know that they focus on trying to pay themselves first, those business owners usually do way better financially over time than the ones that go with the philosophy. Yeah, well, if there's anything left over at the end of the day, I'll end up by paying myself something. Hmm. Man, that was deep. Actually, so you are you familiar with Profit First? I am familiar with it. Yes. So it absolutely. sounds like you would subscribe to that philosophy. I've always done that myself, where I've always thought about taking you know three pennies of every dollar. And then I remember a couple of years ago, I was up in Vermont skiing, and I was listening to a podcast, and, and I was like, "Wow, this sounds really great." So I bought Mike's book and I read it, and I was like, "Wow, this is the way business owners really should be thinking about saving and investing." Because if they don't, they never really end up by doing it. And I'll give you a quick example. I just saw a restaurant business owner. Business was grossing like six million a year, and he was saving like ten grand. I'm like, you're grossing six million dollars, and all you can put away is ten thousand dollars a year. I'm like, you should go work at the deli in West Hampton. They're paying people forty five bucks an hour to make egg sandwiches, and you'll make more money than operating all your restaurant establishments. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, you know, and I'm not a familiar with that situation, but maybe he was putting investing it back into his business. He was paying everybody and everything besides himself. And, you know, it wasn't like he was investing into equity within real estate within his business. He just, you know, the additional costs get absorbed through the inflationary cost of operating a business. So, you know, I said, you know, think about if you can't carve off a couple pennies of every dollar for yourself as profit, you're doing something wrong. And so we're helping them look at it differently. We're helping them now go from basically saving 10 grand a year to saving 500,000 a year. So just by doing a few things differently. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think, I mean, businesses, and this is an important concept. A lot of people think, hey, year one, I'm going to print cash with my business. And I'm sorry, but very few businesses do that. But after a while, the idea is, at least one of the ideas is for the company to make money. 
And so are you involved in kind of this consulting aspect of a business where you'll kind of go through the financials and say, hey, like your gross profit, that margin's actually too low. It should be closer to, you know, 75, 80%. We work with business owners in all areas of their financial lives, whether they're buying property, starting another company. We are, you know, we're like an extension of their office where we're like their outsourced CFO. So we're involved in all those different places. It's not just the stock and bond type investments or planning for retirement. We're working with every aspect of a client's financial picture. How does an entrepreneur find a good financial planner? Well, I would say that, you know, a good way to do it is they can ask other professionals they might have in their life, whether it's an attorney or an accountant, they could do a little research on their own, you know, definitely interview a few people, listen to what they're telling you. If they're talking rates of return, it doesn't seem too good to be true. Usually is too good to be true, but you really want to work with somebody. And I talk about this in my book. You want to work with somebody that is basically, they're on your side and they're willing to work with you night and day whenever they really need you. When you know what hits the fan for a business owner's life, you want that financial advisor to be one of the people that get one of the first phone calls. So really a trusted professional in their life that's going to help them with not only with business planning, but also with life planning as well. So the job itself, working with a good wealth advisor based upon the wealth advisor's experience and working with a lot of great people should be able to help somebody more than just with investments. So I'm sort of familiar with the three chords concept. I want to talk about that for a little bit. Is that an idea that you kind of came up with that you talk about in your book? I did. I came up with the concept, you know, in working with business owners for 25 years, these were some hard charging, highly successful people. And I saw that there was three areas of their life that were important, right? That were important to them. Their businesses were really important to them. They raised their businesses like they were their kids. Their relationships and their families were important to them. And then themselves as an individual, they wanted to be the best person that they could be. They wanted to be healthy. They wanted to be all those different types of things. So those represent the three chords. And what I found with most hard driving successful business owners was that they were usually really good at one or two out of three very few were able to be highly successful in all three. And so I decided to write a book addressing all three and trying to encourage people to really pay attention to all three, because if you don't pay attention to all three and you let one of them go, and that's what causes the cord to snap. And that becomes a complete disaster in a business owner's life. It sounds like we're kind of talking a little bit about work-life balance to some degree. Is that something that is kind of fixed for an entrepreneur or does it evolve over time? Are there periods where, you know, a business owner or a CEO, you know, has to spend more time at work and others where it's more time on family? Absolutely. I don't really think you could use the word balance. I think you have to use the word focus. I think if you're saying, okay, I'm working extra hard at my job right now, I really got to focus, I really got to do this. And then, but you can't neglect the other two areas or be real conscious through a model calendaring system as to, I got to focus on my health, got to go see doctors, got to exercise, got to eat right. And then also being fully conscious of your family, right? Spouse, significant other, you got kids, your family, your parents. You know, all the different people that might be important in your life and making sure that you schedule the time to actually spend time with them. So you don't want to ever look back at your life and you say, oh, geez, you know, I created all this wealth, 
but you know, it cost me these relationships or it cost me my health or vice versa, where you focus all your energy on yourself and your family, but you got this terrible business doesn't really produce any results. So all three are really important. That's why I wrote the book. For an early entrepreneur, it's really common to get sucked into the startup process and the business. What tips do you have for somebody that's early on that, you know, really just trying to keep the lights on and figure out their place in the business world? What tips do you have for them to be able to spend the necessary time on their self and family early on? I would say it's a model calendar. You know, if you don't have a model calendar, What happens is that there's something called the whirlwind. The whirlwind comes in and basically just pushes you around. But if you have a model calendar and you say, okay, every morning I'm dropping my kids off at school, you know, so just like an appointment, right? Most business owners, you ask them if they'll show up for a new business appointment. Absolutely. They'll be there because it's on their calendar. If it's, you know, if they got to be home by six o'clock to have dinner with their family, if something comes up, you know, they might call home and say, I can't make it. Something came up at work and that, that's very typical. But if it's on your model calendar and it's, you have to follow that model calendar, what's on the model calendar is considered your must use. And in life, your must use are the different things that if you did, you would not fail. You stick, and you really shouldn't have more than three to four must do's. And so that's really kind of the focus is focusing on your must do's. That's how you're going to be. If you're a startup company and you're not quite sure what to do next, just go to your must do's and your model calendar. Yeah. So I like this concept of being deliberate about your time because an entrepreneur's schedule is going to get filled up. And if they're not deliberate about it, it's going to get filled up with things that are less important. And usually it's things that are urgent, but not important, right? I think from the seven habits of highly effective people, the quadrant, I think that some of that time will be urgent and important, but I think a lot of it will be urgent and not important. And I've seen that. I actually just prior to recording this, been trying to put out some fires and deal with something that came up that was super urgent. And my calendar suffered as a result. Rocco, I know that, you know, with me personally, there are some things that go on my calendar that always get done. Usually meetings, not all the time, but usually meetings when there's another person involved or where I have to, you know, commit to doing something by a certain time. But there are some things on my calendar that, man, they're on there. But, you know, for example, I was supposed to spend an hour on my book this morning. It was on my calendar. I'd put it there. It's set in stone that that time on this day, every week I work on my book and man, I went right over it. What are some tips that you mentioned something that I thought was interesting that your must do's, you should limit the number of those. Should those must do's, should those be like a daily limit? And do you want some of them to be family, some of them to be business, some of them to be self? Or can you kind of walk me through how you set yours up? Sure, absolutely. So my must do's revolve around my business, right? So I have my wealth advisory practice. And so I know that my must do's are with my wealth advisory practice that I've got to see my clients, right? I got to have new client appointments. So if I see my clients and I have new potential client appointments, if I do that consistently, I will be successful. Within my family life, I know that I've got to make sure that I take my kids to school in the morning. You know, we try to have dinner. We try to have dinner at least three times a week together. That, like, after I'm done with this podcast, my wife's dropping off my son here. We're going to go hit some golf balls. So I make sure that we get that done as well. And then for myself as an individual, I know that one of my must do's is daily exercise. So every single day, I try to do something. It may not be perfect, right? So if one of your must do's is exercise, 
and you don't get it done before you go to bed, just do two push-ups and go to bed. So that's how you get it done. You know, one of the things that really helps me most with my must-dos and my calendaring, it's going to sound crazy, but if I start off the day taking freezing cold showers, that sets my day off in a way where, you know, it doesn't get too much worse than that, to be honest with you. You get the cold shower out of the way and anything else after that's kind of like, okay, I can do that. So just kind of a simple tip for listeners, right? We could all do it. doesn't cost anything. Take a cold shower. And that helps to build, I found, discipline around other things that you have going on during the day. When I fall off that, if I'm not taking the cold showers, I tend to kind of like, I come off the schedule. Listen, I wrote the book. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But, but I found that when I do take the cold showers, I'm much more productive during the day than when I don't. Much more disciplined to my schedule. With some of these routines that you go through, and some of them sound like they're to the level of habits, like taking your kids to school, you know, physical activity. Are those on your calendar? Are you putting things like that on your calendar? Yeah, I don't have, you know, I used to set up my calendar where I'd have like 47 things that are on it. And now I'm trying to limit the amount of things that I'm doing. I mean, I know that you're a highly successful business owner and you're very, very productive. But if you break it down into blocks and you say, okay, there's no more than four blocks, I know that I've got all these things to do, but you know, if leadership is one of them, obviously it is for yourself with having all these different people that you might be working with, you know, leadership is a block. You got, this is my leadership time. And then, you know, there could be 27 people that get plugged into leadership. You know, if I said, okay, you can only do four things this week, that's it. What are the four things you're going to do? That's it. Four of being generous, right? Th- ideal is three. You can only do three things for the week, what are the three things that you could do? You can't do four, you can't do six, it's only three. So it could be 27 items, but they have to be able to fit the three quadrants. Hmm. I love talking about this type of thing. I love talking about entrepreneurs being deliberate with their time because so many things come up, especially early on, interruptions. I remember I have a morning routine and I think it was within the first six months of starting my first business. I was trying to do my morning routine and stay consistent with it. I couldn't do it at home because my kids would knock on my door and interrupt me. I couldn't do it at work because I'd get interrupted there. And so I started doing it. I would get to work and I would sit in my truck and do it. And then after a while, a few of my employees caught on to where I was and they started coming to my truck. And I think when entrepreneurs are making that decision of, hey, I'm going to go for this, they need to go into it with their eyes open, being deliberate about their time. It's such an important practice. Because the greatest entrepreneurs are the ones that put themselves in a position and their teammates and their employees and their contractors and people around them, they put those people and themselves in a position where they are adding the most value. A lot of times I have some service businesses in various states, and it's not that I'm above going out and doing a service, right? I have some home service businesses. It's not that I'm above it. It's that I'm actually doing a disservice to my company if I'm doing that, because There's things like effectuating the vision and the mission of my companies that I can spend more time with if I'm not doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff. And if I'm executing on that level, then I'm able to hire more people. I'm, I'm able to increase pay. I'm able to offer better benefits and you know better opportunities. And while an entrepreneur has to kind of get through this gambit early on of just doing everything, I don't care who you are. I know... Jeff Bezos, early in his career with Amazon, he would be on the floor stuffing boxes, right? And that's okay. But thankfully, 
you know, he got to the point where he was able to spend more time on the vision of the company. Now you talk about vision planning and kind of talking about the mission of companies quite a bit. Tell me about that. Tell me what, because I think startup entrepreneurs really struggle with this because again, they're just trying to keep the lights on. They're not thinking about five, 10, 15 years down the road. What are they missing out with that? You just kind of go back, you know, you hear the word vision. So every business, big, small startup should have a vision, should have a mission, should have values and a code of behavior. And so the vision is where are you striving to get to? And everybody, whether it's your single person business or you're a, there's an ensemble group, that's what everybody's trying to reach for. The vision is this is where we're going. So everybody get on the bus. Here's the vision. This is where we're going. The mission is what we're doing every day. And you could ask yourself and your team members, hey, listen, are we doing this every day? The code of behavior is so everybody's very clear as to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable to be on the team and for your business to have a set of values. And all business decisions are made with values. All personal decisions are made with values. People may not know what their personal values are, but they make their decisions based, you know, whatever the decisions are, that's their values. So businesses should have a set of values. So when business decisions are made, everybody knows why the business owner made that decision. That's interesting. I like the way that you broke that down between vision, mission, and code of conduct, right? Like it made me kind of think of core values of a company, right? So the vision is, hey, where are we headed? The mission is, what's the day-to-day look like to get us there? And how are we acting or how are we behaving or what are the strictures of our code of conduct, of our conduct to get us there? Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yep. Yep. I think that makes it a little more digestible. Got to go over it. We do it as a team, right? We bring my whole team into a room every three months. And we've been doing this now for 25 years. So it's like, and I did it with one person, which was myself. I did it with two team members. And now we do it with a whole host of all of our team members. We do it every single quarter, revisit the vision, mission, code of behavior, and our values every single quarter, every single year. That's what we do. I love that. I love it because I know that things change over time. And when you first start a business, you don't have all the answers. You don't really know where you're going to be sometimes. You don't really know how you're going to get there. And you know, you're just trying to figure things out as you go. But if you're reviewing those things regularly, I think it helps you stay on track and maybe pivot versus not having those discussions, getting a year, two, three in, and then realizing, you know, hey, we've got to revamp our culture completely, which is a lot more difficult practice than these quarterly meetings where it's, you know, you're getting feedback and just making kind of smaller adjustments to things that, you know, I kind of compare it to like, you know, an airplane. If I'm flying across the country and the pilot's just a degree or two off, the further I go, the further the difference between the destination where I thought I was going and I actually end up will be, right? But if every quarter, like if every, I don't know what the analogy is, every 50 miles, the pilot looks down at his instruments and realize, okay, we're on courses, just keep going. Then you don't have that difference in destination. And it's a little more clear for the team too, right? It's a lot more helpful to be able to motivate people when you have a vision. Yeah, And people want to know where they're going. People want to align with companies that have a direction, really good people anyway. You know, if you really want to have great people on your team, 
Culture is important. Got to have a vision. They got to know which way you're going. They got to know what the mission is, what their to do's are. All those different things are really important, especially in this competitive environment to bring on you know, good people into your team. And for startup businesses, which is the audience that we're talking to today, you know, somebody coming in looking to work with you, they're a little bit, you know, they might say, well, this is just a startup. Should I actually do this? And if you have a vision, mission, code of behavior, they're sitting down with you. They're like, you know what? This person's going someplace. I want to affiliate with them versus, you know, I don't know where, you know, they don't know where they're going. I don't know where I'm going. You know, really important. That was a mistake that I had, you know, years ago when I was in the process of hiring people, I would have people that would kind of accept the job, but then they would say, I need to talk to somebody. They wouldn't accept the job. And with no team members, it became very hard to get a first team member. And then after I had one or two team members, I developed this and I saw that people were really interested in that. It became something that people were attracted to. And the reason why people might were not taking those jobs were that when they would talk to a friend, cousin, aunt, uncle, spouse, somebody would say to them, well, where's the guy going? They would say, I don't know. It's just him. Hmm. That really makes sense to me. I think the pitch, you know, hey, we want to be a household name across the United States in the next 10 years. Do you want to join us? Is a lot more persuasive than, hey, we pay more than your current job, especially with the younger generation, millennials, and even behind them. People want a purpose. And I think if you set your business up with that vision and you continue to review it and it's clear, you're going to get people that work for you with their heart, not just you know for the paycheck. Paycheck is important, but the purpose is even more important. You, know, you want to have a purpose-driven organization, not a paycheck-driven organization. Absolutely. Rocco, we're wrapping up here. I wanted to just get a couple of thoughts from you as we're closing up about what a business owner does to build true wealth. True wealth, and again, this is I work with business owners for a long time. And because somebody has financial wealth does not make them truly wealthy, in my opinion. It's one important component. But I would say somebody that is financially successful is one component. But the other two components is person really having terrific relationships with other people, real meaningful relationships, helping others and giving back in their community. That's you know, number two. And number three is somebody that takes good care of themselves, that's aware about becoming better, taking care of their health, being conscious of that. So all three things is what creates true wealth based upon my experience. I love it. Agree with that 100%. Well, Rocco, where can our listener reach out to you to find out more about all the great things that you guys are doing for entrepreneurs? They can go to my website at roccoacarrero.com. That's R-O-C-C-O-A-C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O.com. Awesome. And we'll definitely link that website in our show notes. Real pleasure chatting with you, Rocco. Thanks for joining me today and wish you nothing but success in the future. You as well. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a rating. And for daily inspiration and business tips, follow Alan on Instagram. Until next time, remember, we build the future one entrepreneur at a time.